And, uh, and so I, I just want to um, and just share some of my heart of how I've been processing this, this season that has gone on for a few years, really. Um, it's, been a, it's been a tough season. So I'm going to speak very honestly and openly. I'm a little bit vulnerable. I'm a little bit tender. So if I say some stuff that's nonsense, then we'll get Eric up in the next couple of weeks and he'll put it all straight. Um, but I just want to do that and, and give us some perspectives to help us negotiate how we're, the emotions we're experiencing. And, and just to be aware, because I stand here, it doesn't give me access to kind of any super grace that you don't have access to. Um, it's tough. It's really tough. And to see, to see our Jane as she is, it's really hard. And um, we all need grace, don't we? We all need grace. In this season, we need grace. Um, and some, but sometimes it does get overwhelming. And to be honest, we get tired. I get tired. And uh, we just want breakthroughs. And we're going after breakthroughs. Thank God we can be real with each other. Amen. We can still laugh. We can still have fun. Yeah. But we can cry as well. And we can grieve. I think that's, you know, it, if Jane were to be raised up yesterday, today, right now, raised up, it's still a matter of grief for me to see what Jane has been through. We, we can grieve. God save us from brands of Christianity which force plastic robot, robotic responses upon us where we don't think we can be real. Uh, we don't want to be like that. Um, we don't, we're not always happy. Uh, you know, tears are not just for those that have no hope. Um, the pain that we've seen through uh, what we've seen with Pete and then Victor and now Jane is hard to, it's hard to bear sometimes. You know, I thank God for our church. I thank God for you guys. You know, years ago, going back 20 or 30 years, we kind of, we all grew up in the same church. We'd all been in the same church. We all knew the same thing. Church is quite different these days and you get people come from different, people move churches more. And they come with their backgrounds and their understanding. And of course now with the access to the internet and God TV, you can learn anything. You can hear anything. And I have people contacting me quite regularly with their thoughts on this is what we should do. We ought to do this. We should do that. We should be doing this. And I don't mind it at all because I know we're doing it from a heart of love for Jane and for the church. I don't mind at all. Um, but sometimes we can, we can get a bit confused. I, I get responses that range from this is wrong and it's impossible for anybody to die from cancer. So I get, I get told that. It's impossible. It can't happen. It can't happen. <laughs> I get told by other people it's all in the sovereign will of God. And nothing you can do about it. It's all in the sovereign will of God and nothing you can do about it. Somewhere in between those two things is the truth that we are going after as we process what we're going through uh, with Jane. I just really want to address that, just real quickly address that before I get into um, handling our emotions. Some people have a theology that says um, every sickness is to be healed, that the evil of, the evil of this world should have no hold on us anymore. Uh, I understand your heart, I understand that. Um, but me as a church leader, I have to deal with the reality of what happens. And that isn't always the reality. I think it's wrong. 
Cancer is not from God. Cancer is evil. It's devilish. Don't believe it should be happening. But the reality is, it happens. And we've seen that over the last uh, number of years. And we have to deal with that in a way that is loving and, and, and not judgmental. Um, I think a, theo- a kingdom now theology, if you could call it that, is one thing that some people have, that all the kingdom is here now. Well, I don't think that's right. I think we're seeking to bring the kingdom down increasingly. We're seeking to bring more of the kingdom because this world is finite, that world is eternal. Right? You know, I was thinking about this day, nobody gets healed in heaven because there's no sickness in heaven. Right? When we go there, we get a new body, everything is done with. There's nobody gets sick. Right? So, you know, if you're going to have a kingdom now theology, in theory, nobody should be getting sick. The fact is they are getting sick. But we want to see his power come more and more and more and more. And we have to go after God in that. To those of you who say it's all in the sovereignty of God, doesn't matter, I would say to you then, what is the point of us praying? Our prayers make a difference. If we believe the sovereignty of God just says it doesn't matter, God will do what he wants to do, then we get become chesses, pieces on the chessboard with no hope outside of us. We can't do anything, can we? God is the God, is the God of Abraham. Who Abraham. God was going to destroy the city. And God spoke, Abraham spoke with God and said, well, if there's this many, what about this? Okay, if there's this many, I won't. We can work with God. God wants us to work with him. It was God that said, ask of me and I will give you the nations. He wants us to interact. And I'll come in a little while to how I want us to pray regarding Jane and how I want us to be uh, moving forward. Um, you know, the human condition is one that exists in, in the reality of huge emotional swings. <laughs> Isn't it? You, you can be on top of the world one minute and the next minute you can be down on the ground for Hazel and I uh, you listen? Yeah. Um, this one was literally the case while we were away we climbed to this dome uh, that was 9,000 feet above sea level we, we didn't start at zero we drove up a long way um, this was in Yosemite and we climbed onto this dome it was quite hard work but from there, we got a 360-degree view of the most, some of the most amazing sights on the planet. We could see redwood forests. We could see mountain, snow, snow-covered mountain peaks. We could see waterfalls. We saw El Capitan. We saw Half Dome. And you could swirl around. And for about 10 minutes, there was nobody else there but us. It was like we owned the world. It was ours and just ours. It was absolutely incredible. To be there and see these huge birds just fighting against the breezes, amazing. And we're on top of the world. Five days later, we walk into, walk into Jane's room and boom. Emotions swing from side to side. And our emotions become a battleground for where we look and how we think. Our emotions become such a key part of our makeup. And handling those emotions is key in these seasons. It's key in these seasons when we think about and we pray about and how we respond to crisis. Uh, you may have looked for the last few years and had questions and, 
and why are these things happen? What's, what's going on? I just want to assure you, there isn't a question you've asked that I haven't asked. In the night time, when it's quiet, and you're asking God, God, what about, what are you doing? What am I doing? What about my past? What about the future? What, what's going on? We ask these questions, and they whirl around in our heads. And with things like Victor and like Jane, I have times of great faith, where I saw with great faith, believing, believing God's going to, going to do something. And other times, I'm at the opposite end of that. And I, oh God, what's, it's, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Possibilities and memories are dragged up and, uh, and we battle with those. Uh, I, just, I just want to be clear, emotions are a gift from God. Understand that? Emotions are a gift from God. Jesus was an emotional human, human when he was on earth. I think God is emotional. He has emotions. He has anger. He has wrath. He has joy. They're emotions. Jesus knew joy. Right? When the disciples came back, you know, from casting out the demons and everything, he was full of joy. Jesus knew grief. He knew grief in the garden. He knew grief when he looked over Jerusalem and said, how I've longed for you, and his heart was full of grief. He knew anger. He knew how to kick people. He knew anger. We mustn't be scared of our, all I want to say this morning, we mustn't be scared of our emotions. And think we have to have a certain way. You always have to be happy. You always have to be positive. You always have to be full of beans. Because I think where we fly with our emotions is not as important as where we land our emotions. Where we fly with our emotions is not as important as where we land with our emotions. Emotions are a wonderful gift, but they're terrible gods. Okay? Emotions are a wonderful gift, but they're terrible gods. And we need to understand the importance of coming, taking our emotions and landing in the right place so that we become useful to God, useful to Jane, useful to ourselves. And we make our emotions tools that take us towards God. We're going to look at Psalm 73. And um, this is a psalm of Asaph. Uh, a great uh, psalmist, or Psalter. Asaph says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Their pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten opposition. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure, and have washed my hands 
in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. There's a man who's not very happy with what he sees. And his emotions are driving him to, to speak this out to God. Why is this happening? Why are people, why, in other words, what he's saying is why do good things happen to bad people? And why do bad things happen to good people? Who's asked that question many times? Very pertinent. Then he says in verse 15, If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it, it troubled me deeply. I think there's a key in that. Right? I'm kind of hopping along here. Um, if I'd spoken out of like that, I would have betrayed your children. We handle our emotions. What we say matters. Especially what we declare publicly. Because, okay, he's saying, if I, I felt that way, but if I'd have just gone around to everybody saying this to everybody, I'm speaking out stuff that I know isn't true, but my emotions are running away with me, and my despair is getting a hold of me. Oh, it's hopeless, it's no good, and then we just bring ourselves down, and we bring other people down. We have to be careful what we say, but having said that, I do believe it's important we are people we trust, that we can share what's really happening in our hearts. But he says, um, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me. But verse 17 is the key. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood. Verse 18, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away. They are like a dream when no one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you take me to glory. He went in the presence of God and he found the proper perspective. It's okay to fly off with our emotions for a certain while. But if our emotions lead us into the far country where we're just left with our emotions, we will end up wandering away and becoming useless in that sense. But when we take our emotions and we come into the presence of God and say, God, this is how I am. Let me see your way. Let me see your perspective. And then we can take our emotions and use them as tools to go after what God wants. Do you see what I mean? We have to land our emotions in the presence of God. So what I'm going to do really, really quickly, this isn't deep theology, okay? This is where I'm going to give you some ways that I have tried to, and I have a lot of emotion right now. I'm an emotional guy anyway, uh, and Jane means more to me than I could ever describe. I have a lot of emotions. This is where I've tried to land my emotions in certain areas. And, I, and I'm hoping it will be a help to you. So when my mind has been challenged, this is what I've done. And this is what I've tried to say. Have I got it right every time? Nah. It's a battle. But this is the truth I tried to come back to that I get in the presence of God and I get in the word of God. So when my emotions are a problem, I come back to this. God is with us. God is with us, right? God is with us. And my emotions can lead me another direction to say God has abandoned us. But I come back in the presence of God and I say God is with us. 
and that is my assurance of victory. Yeah. That was always Israel's assurance of victory when they heard these words, God is with you. God is with us. Do you realize that my life is hidden with Christ in God? So if God tries to walk away from me, do you know what he does? He takes me with him. He can't. He can't abandon what is inside him. And we are, we are, God is with us. So therefore we have victory. Victory may not always look like we want it to look, but we are in victory because we, he is with us. God has not abandoned us. Amen? Mm. Mm. God has not abandoned us. He has not abandoned his word. That's not possible. So I land my emotion, however I feel, I land my emotion that God is with us. Amen. Second thing I always do, try and do when my emotions go wild, is say this, God must think we can handle this, so we can handle it. Because his word says he'll never test us beyond what we are able to bear. Right? So it must mean he thinks we can handle it, and God has never had a wrong thought. So by his grace... We can handle it. There is strength and there is grace to come through every trial. Scripture, scripture says we won't be tested by what we can bear. Paul was told his burden would not be removed at that time, but grace, God's grace, was all he needed to overcome. God's grace is all we need to overcome. Amen? Amen. Believe it. I land my emotions in that. I try and land my emotions in this as well. All things work together for good. If it's not good, it's not over. Yeah? If it's not good, it's not over. God is working still, and he's not given up on that. All things work together for good. That's my good. That's the church's good. That's Jane's good, and that's the kingdom's good. All roads, if they're submitted lead to God's goodness. Sometimes we see that in this life. We are going to see that definitely in our next life in glory. No disaster will overtake you. There will be disasters, but they won't overtake you. Right? Amen? See Psalm 91 for that. I also try and land my emotion in this. My responsibility is not to understand to trust okay I have you know so many I think um, Bill Johnson always says that the greatest challenges to most there's two or three great challenges to most Christians one of them is disappointment great challenges to most is disappointment people leave their faith on dis based on disappointment and um, well we're not called to understand everything we can't understand everything but we are to trust and there are so many people that we know that have started a journey that began with, I don't understand. And it's led them away from God. Or it's led them into some kind of niche Christianity that overbalances on prosperity or healing or something like that. You know what I mean? Because they're trying to satisfy their need. I need to understand. No, we can't understand everything. But what I can do is trust God. And there's things that have happened in the last few weeks and months and years that I don't understand. 
but I have to learn to trust God. That doesn't mean we don't come before God and ask him. We don't inquire of him. And it's not saying you shouldn't seek understanding. Of course we should. But it's not my right to understand the complexities of a sovereign God. My responsibility is to trust. He is in charge. He is sovereign. He is not helpless, so we are not helpless. I land my emotions in this. The promises of God are eternal. They're eternal. And we are eternal beings, aren't we? And we're saved for eternity, not just for now. And um, this life really is nothing, whether you live for 100 seconds or 100 years. In the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. I've got some pictures of, of Hazel um, standing in front of giant sequoia, redwood trees. Have you seen them? These trees you can drive a car through. And Hazel just looks tiny in front of these huge trees. Um, but, you know, a little toddler looks tiny in front of these trees. But Hazel looks tiny. The point is the tree is so big and we're so small. And eternity is so big and we're so small. And the promises of God are not only for this world, but for, for all eternity. It's about scale. And I know that some of us are grieved because we feel that people have gone too early. And I understand that. I do understand that. And I know that some people push eternity away because they feel that if we can use that as like a backstop, like we don't really pray with faith because it doesn't really matter because they're going to go to heaven anyway. And we kind of, we kind of pull back on our faith. Um, but that's part of the tension that we have in the work of God. Because my other truth I'm coming to now that I always land on is this. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Do we hear that, church? Nothing is impossible. Jane is very sick, very poorly. And she's going to go to glory. But it's not the end because nothing is impossible. So we, when I go to her, I pray with all the faith I have that God would raise her up. I know if she doesn't get, if she doesn't get healed, she's going to heaven forever. I know that. And we, it gives us hope. And it should give us hope. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. But I go and I pray, God, raise her up. Because I believe sickness is of the devil and healing is of God's. And our purpose is to pray the kingdom to come. And the more the kingdom comes, the more sickness will disappear and healing will rise up. And that's our assignment. So I understand there's a tension between we're looking for like, I know it's all okay, it doesn't really matter in that sense. But we've got to pursue healing. We've got to pursue the miracles of God because it's part of who God is. I don't know if I make it any sense, but we've got to find our way to understand Nothing is impossible. And when I'm despairing, when I'm, I look and I feel hopeless, I land my emotions and it's, God, nothing is impossible with you. Nothing. I always think, you know, today, for the time it takes for our planet to revolve around our star, the sun, God is going to do thousands of miracles, isn't he? He's going to do thousands of miracles. So many big ones and small ones. From, you know, a headache to raising the dead. He's going to do it in this 24-hour period. He wants to do it here in Northampton. 
He's done it here in Northampton. There are people in this room right now who should have, been, who should have died a long time ago, could have died a long time ago, but they are here right now. Even with this disease, it's gone. I'm going after it with James. Every time I pray, I pray, God, heal her. I sit beside her and I put my hands on her and I say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. I tell the disease to leave her in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to keep doing it. And we have to keep doing it. And if we let our emotions fly off into despair, we'll end up in a mess. We have to believe this. Yes, we believe in eternity. You can't discount it. It's huge. It's part of who we are. But we also believe nothing is impossible with God. Just also want to remember this when I think about my emotions. Whatever miracle we want for Jane, Jane is already a miracle. She's a miracle. I wish, I do, I genuinely wish you could go and spend 10 minutes by her side. Because she was, she's a miracle. You know, we, we marvel at the miracle of those men and women that fill stadiums and do all these amazing preaching and amazing, they write all these books and they, they tell us how we should do this, that and the other. And we think that's amazing faith and we, we marvel at it. 10 minutes with Jane, 10 minutes with Victor, that's real faith. That's what Johnson read. That's what Johnson read. There's great men of faith who accomplished. Towards the end, there's those that didn't get what they wanted, but they still did it by faith. Right? Jane is a miracle. She already is a miracle. It's faith that stands under pressure, threat and pain. It's beautiful and is genuine, maybe more so than the faith displayed by big name preachers who, who do miracles, which I don't despise at all. And finally, I land my emotions in this, and this might seem obvious, but it's true. I don't blame God. We don't blame God. You know, we hear people say in their emotion, you know, God, God's got to do this, and God should do that. You know, and no, we don't blame God. We don't think we have any rights in that regard. It's not God's fault. It's not God who made Jane sick. Cancer is wrong. It's devilish, and it should not be allowed to be here, especially in the life of a child of God. Yet it does happen. And um, it breaks our heart, and we're going after it. But we've got to keep our heart right before God. God is good. He's good. I don't understand this, but he's good. I thank God for eternity. I thank God that Jane is secure. And I'll just tell you a bit about Jane's response into that in a minute. And we thank God that all is well. You know, I was, I, I'll never forget being with Victor. Keep praying for Helen Rose. She's struggling. It's difficult for her. You know, she's gone to Manchester for a couple of weeks. Um, but it's difficult for her. We mustn't forget her in all of this. And I was just thinking about, I was, we were praying, a few of us were there praying for Victor and that God would raise him up. And I, I was part of that and I was, I really believed that God would. Um, but I remember stepping out of his little curtain thing and, um, and seeing five other beds around us with very sick people in them. And the thought struck me, you know what, who's in more jeopardy right now? Who's in more jeopardy right now? Thank God for salvation, Amen. which has won us our eternal freedom. Right? We thank God for that. And we want to see Victor raised up, but we know he was going to go to glory anyway. And I thought about those other guys, as far as I'm aware, didn't know anything about God. 
They're in far more jeopardy. James is going to win whatever happens. But we know our hearts. These are some of the places I try to land my emotions when I'm struggling with tears, when I'm struggling with despair, when I'm struggling with grief. You know, I can fly with them for a little while, but I land them here in the truth of God's word. And there might be other areas that you need to do that. But if we want to be useful for Jane, if you like, if we want to be useful in the kingdom, we have to make sure we take our emotions and we come into the presence of God and we declare the truths as we know them. Our assignment, so when it comes to praying for Jane, our assignment is to see heaven come to earth. That's our assignment. That's what we were told to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven, so our assignment is to see sickness leave on earth. We may never see it, completely but that's what he's called to do everybody Jesus prayed for was healed weren't they everybody and that's possible of course Jesus didn't pray for everybody to be healed we know that but he listened to the father and where there was faith he operated that's how I have a simple uh, simple Sickness is bad, it's not from God, so we oppose it. That's it. You know, we want to hear God's word. We want to hear what is God saying. And I know, you know, talking to a few people and trying to, what is God saying? What is God saying right now? And like a definitive word, which maybe we're not absolutely hearing. So what do we do? We go after healing in Jesus' name. Because that's what Jesus did. And we pray for healing. I had a conversation. Um, there has to be faith. We need faith. Faith is the currency that gets things done. And where we don't know exactly where our faith is, our prayer is this, God, I know Jane is yours forever, but we want to see her raised up. And I want you to join me in praying that. Right to the very end, raise her up, Jesus. Amen. I sat down with Jane, I think the day after I got back, and I just need to have a conversation with her about the future to ask her questions about, okay, if he goes one or two ways, what, what do we want to do? You know, regarding if you go to glory, um, you know, what's, what's important to you? And it's a hard conversation for me to have. She had no problem with it at all. She was fine. It's fine. And uh, I said to her, um, if you enter a deep sleep and you met some kind of angelic being, and that angelic being said, um, do you want 35 more years, 40 years on earth, or do you want to come up here with me? She said, I want 40 more years on earth. So I said, fine. That's what we'll pray for. Yeah. So when we pray, that's what we're praying for. But then she said to me, tell the church, there's no disappointment. You see, there's no disappointment. Whatever happens, there's no disappointment because I know everything's fine. I know I've won whatever happens. So she said, tell the church, no disappointment, no upset, no anger. All is well, she said. Yeah. So I just want to ask you um, to pray with me still that God will raise her up. 
It's not too late. Is it too late? Of course not too late. That God will raise her up to perform a mighty, another amazing miracle in the life of, of his people. Um, we want to see more and more of God uh, moving. We want to see more of his power come. And we can't demand that. We can't just expect it. We have to go after the one. We have to go after the one that anoints, that brings the anointing. We need more seeking, more consecration, more surrender, more hunger, more purity. We have to be faithful and undaunted as we pursue his kingdom, refusing to back down to see the power of God come. So we will not give up uh, on Jane, on God's words and the many thousands waiting to see. And just finally as well, it's been a bit of a ramble. Um, I hope you got something out of what I've said. I started out by saying people have different views of how we should approach this based on our background, based on the people we listen to or the books we read. But I would ask you to pursue with faith what God has put in your heart, but don't force it on other people. Okay? Don't force it on other people. If you've got a particular way, the important, important, we're going to break bread together. The important thing is that we come together in unity. We come together in love. We come and build each other up. We come and encourage one another. We, we come together as one to stand together as a church in this season and to see the goodness of God, to see the power of God, to see the breakthroughs that Jane longs for, to see the breakthroughs that we've longed for. We come together as one to pray as one to see the kingdom of God come and to see the power of God um, moving in Jane. But we come together. So don't force your way of doing it on other people. If you find somebody that prays like you pray, then go with them, pray, pray with them, go together, but don't force on other people. Let's be one together. I'm going to pray for Jane. When I pray for Jane, you know, Jesus never prayed for anybody to be well. He told them to be well, didn't he? The apostles never prayed for people to be healed. They said, just be healed. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And I try and do that. I try and do that with, uh, with people that I pray for. But having said that, I've seen people healed when they've said, Jesus, would you please heal so-and-so in your name? Amen. I've seen it. Because it's faith. Where is faith? God is looking for faith. God, give us faith in this hour. As we break bread together, God, give us faith in this hour to see the miraculous break out amongst us. So I encourage you to pray listening, to pray with courage, to keep your emotions centred in God and his words and that we come together in unity and as one. And we will keep doing this and we'll do it for our Jane, who we love so much. Amen? We refuse all despair in the name of Jesus. We determine to raise a hallelujah as we, as we battle together. We will not be daunted. We will not be held quiet in our worship. 